Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Praise God. And thank you guys for coming out this morning. It's a appointed time, a special time. It's Pentecost. It's Shavuot in Hebrew. It's a celebration of the Feast of Weeks. It's an outpouring that God promised, an experience that God wants us to relive every year on His divine calendar. And so, here in person, Gerald, are we Zooming? We got people on Zoom. We love you, Zoom family. God bless you for joining us. And so today, uh, uh, we want to uh, turn the Torah study into not just a, a teaching on what Shavuot and Pentecost means historically and spiritually, but especially I want to get into at the end of the lesson, seven signs that you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. How many of you got the baptism of fire working in your life? You know, a lot of times when you see the tongues of fire, you get the idea it's just one of these little flick of the bit uh, flames of fire. Oh, isn't that cute? No, I, I think of a raging fire burning. It's like Jeremiah the prophet said, the word of God will be a fire shut up in my bones. Amen. And so we, we live like that. We stir that up. Fan the flame, Paul told Timothy. Amen. And so we're going to uh, uh, get to those seven signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, I want to give you some background on Pentecost. Uh, some of you uh, dig a little deeper. Uh, sometimes when you're digging a little deeper, it gets a little harder. But just because it's a little bit harder doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Not everything God gives us is easy, right? Uh, thank God we're not trying to manufacture problems. <laughs> but when it comes to word, the word and study of the word, sometimes you just got to buckle down and say, look, I don't care what's on TV. I don't care. If I got to get up at 5 a.m., didn't get many amens. I don't know on Zoom if you're watching, but but uh, pastors taught us the uh, ancient Jewish wisdom teaches, the Bible teaches about a 50-day countdown. It's actually a 50-day count-up that began the day after Passover and has ended on Shavuot, which actually the Hebrew version ended uh, the other day. But today is Pentecost, so we're just going to uh, bundle it all together. Uh, how many of you love to just be legalistic? and say, ah, we can't do it that way. <laughs> you legalistic thing. You blame everybody else for being le- And then you found yourself in the same boat. So anyway, uh, it's a count up from the second day of Passover. 
And it's 50 days, which in Greek, that's what Pentecost means, 50. Uh, And how many of you know that 50 is God's number for Jubilee? And the Jubilee celebration is all about setting the captive free. Right? It's all about restoring what has been lost. It's, it's a time of redemption. It's a time of restitution. It's a time of miracle breakthrough. It's God's jubilee. And so Pentecost is like a mini jubilee that God allows us to enter into every year. Uh, and I like that. I wish somebody would have taught me this when I was in Bible college. They just didn't have the Jewishness of the gospel working. And so, how many of you are ready for uh, uh, your, uh, what was uh, stolen to be restored? How many of you would like to see some miracle debt cancellation? Some kind of financial breakthrough in your life? Yeah, we'll partner with God today, Pentecost. And when you're praising, just don't, oh, what a mighty God. We Get into this thing. Get on fire. Lord, I thank you that that debt, that legal, that medical issue that's been dogging me, I bind and rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And you begin to release something. I saw virtue come out of him, the woman with the issue of blood say. And let some virtue come out of you in your prayer life today. That doesn't mean you have to be screaming when everything's quiet, right? But it does mean, you know, at the appropriate time, man, there is a a feeling of white hot. Not just red hot, white hot energy burning in me. That's what Pentecost is all about. And so God has every year this new opportunity, an annual opportunity to connect to this revelation so that it energizes you and it builds some momentum in your life. Ancient Jewish wisdom says at Pentecost, God issues a writ of divorce from failure, lack, and limitation. And here we thought our Jewish brethren were all legalistic. I want that. I want every curse broken. I want every limitation removed. And it may not all happen on my timeline, but I know that's where I'm headed. Are you headed there with me? If you are, say amen. It goes on to say when you bring this first fruit offering... God will divorce you from your old life. How many of you still have junk in the trunk? Don't raise your hand. How many of you still are vexed by things that have happened? Even 20 years ago, it feels like it happened yesterday, and it pains you. God will break that in the name of Jesus. He'll divorce you from all of those feelings. Doesn't mean you deny it happens. It just means you think about it in a new way. And you don't get all so emotional about it that you fall to pieces. Come on, somebody. You'll no longer be a slave to the limits of this world. Bam! Man, let that be our dynamic thought today. 
I am not a slave to this world. The power of the Word of God, the power of the Holy Ghost working in me severs me from all of that junk. Yeah? And then it says you'll become married. Married. A covenant partner. No longer of Egypt. No longer of sin. But a covenant partner with an unlimited God. Oh, somebody say amen. Receive that today. This is Pentecost. This is Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. It's been building, building, building. Even if you didn't understand it all. It's been building, 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 building. Momentum, momentum, momentum. Praise God. So Pentecost isn't just the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a very important part of what we're learning and celebrating today. But it originated in the Old Testament. The very first Pentecost was 50 days after Israel came out of Egypt. And God not only took this startup nation of Israel out of several hundred years of bondage and slavery, He took them on a journey. We're on a journey right now. It's a good journey, a Christian journey, a Holy Ghost journey. And He's taking us to certain places. He took Israel first to Mount Sinai. Why? Because that's where He gave them the covenant. Officially ratified the covenant. He said, here it is, boys and girls. Do you want it? And they responded, we will do and then we will understand. We don't understand all 613 rules and guidelines and principles, but we don't care. We see the hand of God, a mighty God, the God of all heaven and earth, coming to us and offering us to be covenant partners. We're in! So God gave Israel the Bible, the Torah. It's the wisdom of God. For living a successful life. And for Israel, not only individually, this is where people get all twisted up on, oh, that's all legalism. No, every nation needs a code of ethics. Every nation needs laws by which they abide by. And America was founded as one nation under God. Now, a couple hundred years ago, they don't know as much as we know now. And uh, what we know now is we see there's a lot of people that don't like the Bible. And they get elected. And they begin to make laws to undo God's laws. We need to know who they are and why they're doing it. And don't vote for them, please. And if a corporation goes woke, help them go broke. How many of you know today that most every problem we face and the key to overcoming that problem is by learning how to rightly apply the word of truth? Yeah? There's hundreds of principles and guidelines. 
And God's given us Pentecost and the Holy Spirit to teach us and lead us and guide us and counsel us and help us to feel equipped to overcome this and overcome that and and smooth the bumps in the road and, and straighten out all the crooked places. Oh, help me now. That's where studying the Well, I don't need to study the Word of God. Wrong, 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 wrong. I'll just listen to what the pastor says. Well, that's good. You should. But the book of Acts says that the Bereans were smarter than the Corinthians because everything that the preacher Paul was preaching, they went back to the Torah scrolls to see if they could validate and verify and confirm it. On their own. They, they just didn't take someone's word for it. In the church today, too many people are taking someone man's word for it without studying it themselves. And you're wasting the power of the Holy Ghost. They have a power, a, a form of holiness, a form of godliness, but deny the power of it. Because the power will renew our minds. And it will convict us in a way that will cause us to put the Word of God first. The gospel is like soap. Amen. Oh, praise ye the Lord. Tradition in Judaism teaches that that 50 days is a time that we devote ourselves to developing ourselves. Well, I thought, I thought grace meant there's nothing I have to do. <laughs> Whoever started that, shame on you. There's nothing you have to do to make heaven your home. You can be on a horse and, and, and fall to the ground, call out to Jesus and be saved and spend eternity in heaven. There's nothing he had to do, the thief on the cross. But if you're not planning on dying, how many of you are planning on living for the Lord? There's things you have to do if you want to live a better life, a quality life, an abundant life. And so uh, it's tradition to work on godly character traits. We would call it in the New Testament, work on the fruits of the Spirit. Ever studied that out in Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit? Those are the things, the emotions, the traits, the personality, the characteristics that we need to be cultivating as a result of being in church and knowing Jesus and serving the Lord. Amen? That, and that's, that's a lifelong journey. Some of that is easy peasy, and others are, oh man, I blew it again, huh, Lord? Well, will you forgive me? I'll forgive you seven times 70 as long as it takes. As long as you keep coming back to me and saying, Father, forgive me. I didn't know what I was doing. Help me, Jesus! <laughs> The very first Shavuot was a national revelation. That's why Israel clings to the Why don't just accept Jesus? Get rid of all that Torah stuff and all that Old Testament garbage. That's what preachers are preaching now. 
You can't, you can't be studying Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. You need to unhitch yourself from that garbage. Please. And at the same time, a lot of them are welcoming in all of this immoral lifestyle at the same time. How does this work? Get rid of the, the guidelines. Get rid of the commandments. Get rid of God's standards. And all of a sudden, everybody does what's right in their own eyes. And boy, is that happening. The Bible calls it a spirit of lawlessness. That word law is Torah. A spirit of Torahlessness. So they all, can you imagine a million people or whatever the number was standing at the base of Mount Sinai and hearing God speak in a thundering sound and seeing fire on the mountain? I'd make a commitment to serve the <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. I never heard of such a thing, but I believe. <laughs> and I'll work it all out as we go. God gave the world the Bible, and it's still for the Jew first. Yeah. Amen. It's interesting that similar things happened at Pentecost. The tongues of fire. A supernatural outpouring. A realization that God shows, is showing up and there's something amazing going on that we don't want to miss. That's how they were able to turn the world upside down. The Bible says that are, are these the men and women that are turning the world upside down? They had fire on them. They had boldness on them. They had a vision that was driving them above everything else, driving them to build the kingdom, spread the word, and be a disciple of the Lord. Praise God. So just like Israel needed an outpouring, we need an outpouring. And every year, God ordains for us to revisit Okay, what's Pentecost all about? What are all the truths? What are all the revelations? How do they fit in my life? And you build this reservoir of wisdom and knowledge that leads to power and anointing. Why do people feel so weak? If your word level is low, your faith level is low. And if your faith level is low, you can't beat the devil. If your word level is high, your faith level is high. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If your faith level is high, it's because your word level is high. And when you are high on Jesus and high on the word, there is you can't lose with the stuff we use. Believers needed an outpouring. Even after they realized that Jesus was the resurrected Christ. They needed more than just the realization that I believe Jesus rose from the dead. That's the beginning and you can't replace that. And if that's all you have, that's enough to get you into heaven. 
But if you're going to fulfill the great commission, which is the command of the Lord for every single person, not just the pastor, every single person has that command to involve themselves somehow in changing the world. And so the Lord said, I'm going to pour out upon you the Holy Ghost with fire. It's going to change your vision, change your attitude, change your life, change your priorities. And you're going to go on from uh, Judea and Samaria into the uttermost parts of the earth, preaching the good news. Acts chapter 2. Or excuse me, Acts chapter 19, you can turn over there. There's an interesting statement that Paul makes about the Holy Spirit. In verse 2, he said, Paul asked them. He went to a new group of believers. And he shows up in this city and he said, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed in Jesus as the Christ? And they said, No. We have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. This is where the church finds itself today. By and large, the traditional church finds itself saying the very same words that they spoke 2,000 years ago. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. All we knew is that Jesus is the resurrected Christ. We had that experience. We pledged our allegiance to Jesus. Now do you have the Holy Spirit since you believe that? We didn't even know. And if you skip down to verse 5, after hearing all of this, I can imagine Paul probably gave him a mini-sermon on what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, what happened on the temple steps in uh, the very first time the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2. And after hearing this, they were baptized again. And this time in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire. When I release a power upon your life, you will become not just a believer, you will become a disciple and you will fulfill the Great Commission. You'll go into all the earth. You will see signs and wonders and miracles. I'll confirm the Word of God. And when Paul laid hands on them, verse 6, The Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in unknown tongues, languages, and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Wow. That's just one instance. We could run out of time here, but we could go into many such instances in the book of Acts. Praise God. See, what the church needs to understand, and look, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I can see little halos sitting on all your heads. It's one thing to be a believer. And being a believer means you receive eternal life. There's nothing you have to do to earn that. Yeah? You accomplish that in a moment of meaningful prayer. Doesn't have to be a real long, drawn out prayer, and uh, you know, you don't need 47 classes on top of that to somehow look, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, I believe in you. 
deal done. If it's sincere. But see, here's the rub. It's it's quite another thing to be a disciple. And the church has watered its message down to just being believers. And we've forgotten the discipleship part. Well, that's for some other. That's just for the pastors and the staff. They they need to live at a higher standard and learn and study and, and, and understand the power of prayer and understand all the guidelines, the truths, and the That's not for me. I'm just an ordinary person sitting in a pew. No, 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 no. All of us are called to be disciples. The disciplined ones. Yeah? That's why we need the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That needs to be activated in our lives every day. A lot of the, the Spirit of God is dormant in the church because it's dormant in the people. We're afraid to pray in tongues. We're afraid to be bold. We're afraid to advance ourselves into the master's degree program. We want to be in elementary school. I just want to be in preschool. And Jesus is saying, I'm the master. I have a degree. It's going to take some effort on your part, some discipline on your part. But this is what I'm calling you to be. A disciple. How many of you want the power of God in your life to be victorious? To live an abundant life? To walk with vision and wisdom and prosperity and health and healing and experience the fullness of the promises of God? That just all doesn't happen because, well, I came to church one hour and I waved my hand. That doesn't release anything. Might confuse a few little devils. But by and large, that's not what that doesn't cut it. Oh, am I am I preaching at new beginnings or am I am I in the Lutheran church today? Amen. So in, in the book of Acts, this is real interesting, just a side note. In the book of Acts, uh, Christians by and large believe that the outpouring happened in the upper room. But in reality, the outpouring happened in the temple. In, in Israel, we didn't go there uh, on the tour this time, uh, but at the Israel Museum outside, uh, somebody put together this uh, to scale um, uh, cityscape of what Jerusalem would have looked like in biblical times. And they know exactly where the upper room is. We've been to the upper room over past the Zion Gate and the tomb of David, if you've been there. But the, the uh, upper room, in uh, its location compared to the temple, is probably uh, almost a mile away. It's a jaunt. And so if the disciples had been filled and began to pray in tongues in the upper room, how would 3,000, thousands of people have heard that? Because they were all at the temple when the day of Pentecost had fully come, 9 a.m. or earlier. 
Everybody descending up the, uh, ascending up the pilgrim's road, being in the mikvah, gathering together. So when the high priest began to pray, they were there. They weren't in the upper room. They were in the temple. In fact, if you look up the word house, and the, and, and the house was filled with the Holy Spirit and tongues of fire, if you look up the word house in the concordance, how many of you ever heard of the Strong's Concordance? It, it, it breaks down all the words and what they mean. It says when you look it up, temple. Why would the translators want to substitute house for temple? Why not just say temple? Why change the meaning? Because when the Holy Spirit fell and there's tongues of fire and they began to pray in other tongues and prophesy, there were thousands and thousands of people gathered on the day of Shavuot, Pentecost, and they were there to worship the Lord and to uh, uh, sow their first fruits offering. And, and they all witnessed this. That's why when Paul, or excuse me, when Peter preached his sermon on the temple steps, three thousand said that's it i'm in what must we do repent be baptized and live for the lord jesus it's why acts 20 talks about paul hurrying back to jerusalem he's overseas and he's going to hurry back to jerusalem so he wouldn't miss pentecost what why would it matter to paul Wasn't he already walking on water? No, he needs a fresh infilling just like you need a fresh infilling. He needs to present his offering just like you need to present your offering. He needs the power of God to come upon him just like you need the power of God. So he hurried back. Amen. And when they got there, God did. No one expected the Holy Ghost to fall. And it fought, fell on the same day that God gave the Torah 1,500 years earlier at Mount Sinai. Same holiday, same day. How many of you like it as the Lord does exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you could imagine? Amen. Rehearse that scripture a hundred times. Thank you, Lord. You're doing exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what I could imagine. Amen. And and they experienced something they never experienced before. Their eyes were opened. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, and let me see a bigger vision, a bigger purpose, a bigger plan for my life than just me, my wife, us two kids, my two kids, us four, and no more. Amen. God wants you praying in tongues like never before. God wants you prophesying over your life like never before. God wants you to be a prayer partner that brings faith and encouragement to others like never before. God wants the wisdom of God flowing out of you like never before. He wants His knowledge increasing in your life like never before. He wants you to have a spirit of discernment to know what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's ugly. In describing the role of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life, 
Jesus said it this way in John 16. Go to John 16, 7. John 16, 7. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. And He, capital H, when He comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a Savior and about righteousness and about judgment, about sin And the true nature of it, because they do not believe in me and my message. About righteousness, personal integrity, and godly character. Because I'm going to my Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, the certainty of it. Because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged and condemned. Man, I like that. Did you hear what the devil's doing? No, I heard what Jesus did. (laughs) Verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes... This is what Pentecost is all about. Jesus is giving everybody advance notice. He's the Spirit of truth, and when He comes, He will guide you into all the truth. Full and complete truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but He will speak whatever He hears from the Father. The message regarding the Son. And He will disclose to you what is to come. Oh, thank you, Lord. The future. God will reveal things to us through the power of the Holy Spirit on how to avoid all the junk. There's landmines out there. Wouldn't you like to have the map that shows you where all the landmines are? And then you weave your way through it. You need the Holy Spirit. And you need it more than just an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot. (laughs) And it just goes on from there. It's Pentecost. It's a time to remember our roots. And everything that's been paid for. It's Memorial Day. People paid for freedom. Paid the ult- Jesus paid the ultimate price for our freedom and our liberty. 
The last thing we want to do is get to heaven and find out we squandered it. Oh, you were like the one in the parable that dug a hole in the ground and hid your talent, never cultivated it, never did a doggone thing because I listened to the wrong preacher that said there's nothing you have to do. Get busy living. (laughs) I want to be busy living. I got a destiny. You have a destiny. You have a future. God is going to use you in greater ways than ever before. But it's time to press in. In these last days with the Antichrist crowd on the move, casual Christianity ain't going to cut it. One hour a week ain't going to cut it. Living off the pastor's study ain't going to cut it. And that's okay with me. I, I, I didn't need somebody to tell me to study. Although I eventually went to Bible college and eventually uh, was promoted into being uh, uh, an assistant at the church and a pastor in the church. And you had to study if you were going to bring lessons. If you are going to bring lessons to 300 kids in the school, you better have something. <laughs> Or 300 kids will (laughs) wipe you out. (laughs) That's where we started. We started in a a church that was uh, three times as big as New Beginnings ever was. That was our home back in Seattle. But now we're here. 30 years later, here we is. Still on fire. Amen. Yeah, we've taken a licking at different times. We decided if you take a licking, I'm going to keep on ticking. When the smoke clears, Scott and Lydia Sigmund are still going to be standing. Because we got the Holy Ghost and power. That first morning when we pledged our allegiance to the Lord, we got saved, dedicated our lives to the Lord, and also got filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues. That very same morning, you should have heard Lydia. She had one tiny little syllable. For me, there's a Holy Spirit I can have along with being saved. What is it? Well, they told me kind of this, that, and the other thing. Lay it on me. And then there was Lydia over on the other side of the sanctuary Abba, Daba, Do. She parlayed, though. She went home, locked herself in the bathroom, said, I'm going to get this thing, but I don't care what it's going to take. What you doing in there, honey? I'm working out my salvation. <laughs> All right. So we got to wrap this up, but here's seven signs you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Seven things, seven signs. Number one, you have evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Love, loveliness, joyfulness, peacefulness, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's a big list. Well, there's nothing I have to do. <laughs> you got to do that. You got to develop that. 
And if if you're not developing that in your life, then why are you going? What do we What do we have in church for if that ain't the goal? To be better people, change our nature from the human nature to the divine nature. That comes from Galatians five. Number two, seven signs. Number two, you're convinced or convicted. I'd rather be convinced rather than get convicted. Because <laughs> if I'm convinced, but either way, you're on the right path. That God's word is truth. Don't let all these knuckleheads try to dissuade you that God's word uh, is like the Constitution. It's always evolving and it changes. And it doesn't mean today what it meant back then. <laughs> knuckleheads. I'm convinced God's word is truth. And that's where we were reading in John 16. When he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He's the spirit of truth. Amen? Amen. Number three, you continue to live a transformed life. Yeah? Well, that's just the way I am. I was born that way. That's why a man or a woman must be born again. I was born that way. How many of you have heard someone throw that in your face? Why should I change? I was born that way. I'm proud of being born that way. Jesus didn't say live the way you were born. He said become born again and I will show you the way you should live. And so we continue to live a transformed life. Titus 3.5 says he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. A new life. So all of that carousing, all that craziness, all of that uh, crazy stuff from the past, all of that needs to be washed away. And if all of it isn't washed away, today is a new day. <laughs> Let's get, busy, get some gospel soap going this morning. Number four, you grow your level of boldness. You grow your level of boldness. Boldness. The Bible says the righteous are bold as lions. That doesn't mean you have to stand up in the middle of the food court. Everybody listen to me! Repent! (laughs) We're not talking about that. It's just being bold in knowing who you are in Christ. What you believe. What do you believe? I believe that the word of God is the living truth. And I order my life according to the word of God boldness and Acts 4 says after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken may God shake this place today and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly are you fighting a medical thing a legal thing Some kind of issue, challenge, obstacle, what's going on there? Speak the Word of God boldly. In praise and worship today, 
When the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you're feeling inspired, speak the promise, speak the word over that situation and declare in the name of Jesus. Even if you just think it. In the name of Jesus, I declare I am victorious. I am overcoming. Thank you, Lord. Greater is he that's in me. This sickness is going down. I bind and rebuke the devil. I bind and rebuke diabetes. I bind and rebuke asthma. I bind and rebuke allergies. Get out of my life in the name and by the blood. Oh. Have you ever prayed like that? I pray like that all the time. Just remember the song, This Is How We Do It? This is how we do it. The effective, fervent prayers of righteous women and men availeth much. It doesn't mean the sheeny, meeny, uh, now I lay me prayer. Warrior prayers. All right. Number five. You walk at higher levels of wisdom and truth. In other words, I, I'm praying we all have learned more uh, and we're more advanced this year than we were last year. You're either growing or you're dying. There's kind of no neutral ground. You're either advancing or retreating. How many of you are advancing today? Come on, somebody. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth has come, He'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak over your life. Number six, expand your spiritual vision. How do I know I have uh, uh, the Holy Spirit working in my life? Because your vision expands. The spiritual vision, what you see with the eye of faith, increases. And every year at Pentecost, we ought to evaluate. Look, am I advancing or am I treading water? I'm up to my eyeballs in trouble. Well, maybe this will help. In Acts 2, Peter preached, I will pour out of my spirit. He said, let me tell you what's happening, boys and girls, that God is fulfilling the prophecy of Joel 2. I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Come on, Lord. May it happen today. And finally, you pray in your God-given heavenly prayer language. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 2, 4. Jude 20 says, Build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 14 says, I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray in the understanding. I will sing in the Spirit and I will sing in the understanding. Those that pray in an unknown tongue speak the mysteries of God first uh, first Corinthians 14 2 and they edify themselves they build themselves up today is Pentecost refill yourself be refilled in the name of Jesus with the Holy Ghost and fire with vision with wisdom with knowledge with anointing with power be filled in the name and through the blood of Jesus amen 
and amen. If you receive that, give the Lord a big hand clap. Hallelujah.